Hello, Saints. Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. All right. What eight things does the Bible tell us? What eight things does the Bible tell us grieve the Holy Spirit of God? If you are intent upon serving the Lord, you absolutely do not want to have anything in your life that grieves the Holy Spirit of God. And so you would be one who would be intent upon finding out what it is that grieves the Holy Spirit of God in order to avoid such a thing and to stay well-pleasing in the sight of the Lord, led by the Spirit and blessed by the Lord because you love Him. You have a relationship with Him. What eight things does the Bible tell us grieve the Holy Spirit of God? First and foremost, we must understand that God is a divine person, if you will, if I can say person. He is a spirit, Jesus said, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In Judges 10:16, illustrate that God has emotions. It says that he was grieved for the misery of Israel. Even though they were in sin and they were reaping what they sowed, God was grieved for the misery his people were experiencing in reaping what they have sown. Judges chapter 10, verse 16. Also, the word grieve means in Ephesians 4, verse 30, which says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. We're going to find out the eight things that are specifically listed in this passage that are identified specifically by the finger of God that grieve the Holy Spirit of God. But what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit of God? It means to distress or make sad, to grieve or put into heaviness or sorrow or to make heavy. That's what grieving the Spirit of God pertains to. Also, in Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 17, concerning his backslidden people, God says, But if you will not hear it, if you won't turn back to me, in other words, my soul shall weep in secret places for your pride, and mine eyes shall weep sore and run down with tears, because the Lord's flock is carried away captive or brought into bondage. So God says that if they didn't turn back to him, his soul was going to weep, was going to be grieved and weep in secret places for your pride. And his eye, he said, would weep sore and run down with tears. So God does have emotions. We can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That's very obvious. Otherwise, the scripture wouldn't use such a term and warn us not to grieve him. Now, what is it specifically in Ephesians 4 that grieves the Holy Spirit of God? Let's read this passage here. Ephesians 4, right at the end, the last like three or four verses. By the way, Ephesians 4 is a monumental passage speaking of the body of Christ. So is 1 Corinthians 12. I want to encourage you to, to study Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12 and pray that God will truly give you a love for his people, for the body of Christ. When you have a love for, from God, because God is love, not us. But when you walk in with God, you do have a love for not only God, 
but also for your neighbor, and especially to those of the household of faith, Galatians 6.10, which says, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith. You love the body of Christ. You cannot be a Christian. You aren't a Christian if you don't love the body of Christ. In fact, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And every one, every one that loveth him that begot, that's Jesus, loveth him also that is begotten of him. It's a non-negotiable truth that everyone who's born of God loves all the other people, the body of Christ, who are born of God and brought into the family of God. A person that is attacking or maliciously seeking to harm harm other believers and being hateful in his attitudes or her attitudes toward the body of Christ is not a Christian. They're not saved. Read the book of 1 John because it's full of absolutes, including 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, which says, He that loveth not knoweth not God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. If you know God who is love, you walk in love. You don't maliciously do wrong to anyone. And by the way, if you do, if you uh, render unwarranted attack on another person, unwarranted, the Bible says that a curse is coming on your life and your household. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 13 says, whosoever, that is, whoso rewardeth evil for good. In other words, unwarranted, you pay back somebody evil and they've done you no no harm. Evil shall not depart from his house. You're under a curse if you do such a thing. You're under a curse. Many other scriptures tell us the same thing. Proverbs 17, 13. Whoso rewardeth evil for good, if you render evil towards somebody that did you no harm, evil shall not depart from your house. The curse of the Lord is on you. As Jesus said in Matthew 7, that in the same measure that you meet, it's going to be measured back to you. And that's when he said, judge not, that you be not judged. If you're wrongly judging others, you're going to be judged and you are under the judgment of God. You're not saved. You're on your way to a devil's hell. You're going to be cast into the lake of fire unless you repent before it's too late. God will have no mercy on slanders, people who rail on the body of Christ with malice, etc. That grieves the Holy Spirit of God as we're getting ready to find out. Now, eight things specifically listed that we can mine out of this passage in Ephesians 4 concerning the body of Christ. Beginning in verse 29 through 32. It's the last three or four verses of the chapter. Beginning in verse 29, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but rather that which is good to the, what's good? Communication that what? To the use of edifying. Good communication that glorifies God, edifies others, builds them up, doesn't bring them down. When they leave you, they're lifted up. You know, my first pastor used to say something really good. And this is possibly the verse he was banking this on. He said, don't ever leave somebody the same way you found them. Leave them brought up and edified. Build them up. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do, friend. Learn how to prefer others above yourself. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. That is the mind of Christ. That's what Jesus did when he came to the earth. He preferred us above himself. Philippians chapter 2. Read that. So let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but rather that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace grace, divine influence, divine blessing in the hearts of men unto the hearers. Are your communications, are your interactions with people ministering grace? Are you building them up? Are you edifying them? Or are you taking them down? Are you a delight? If you're delighting in the Lord, I believe you are a delight. You're tasting and see that the Lord is good. Your cup is running over full of the abundance of God's blessed mercy and love and truth and grace. Amen. 
So let, don't let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the use of edifying other people, building them up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I tell you, there's so many people. I've seen other people, good Christian people, that are walking in the Spirit, win to Jesus because they're winsome, they're loving, they're ministering grace to people, they're not beating everybody down with a bitter, evil eye spirit that's always looking to criticize people like the Pharisees of Christ's day. Let me tell you, nothing's changed. There's no new thing under the sun, Ecclesiastes 1.9 says. The Pharisees running around today claim to be spirit-filled Christians and do street ministry or do this or that. or They come in all shapes and sizes. And they're some of the most vicious, evil animals that I don't want to be anywhere around. They're natural brute beasts, I believe Jude calls them. So calling them animals isn't so far off. These people are wicked. I'd rather go be around the lost, try to love on them and win them to Jesus. And by the way, that's happening. We had a guy, another guy saved last week and met with him again, and he's growing in Christ. He actually got saved, literally, and God's working in him, and he's growing immensely already. We, we praise the Lord for that. And that didn't happen because anybody beat up on the guy and preached him into hell with no hope, no life raft, no light, no graciousness. The spirit and the bride, the Bible says, Jesus said, say, come and take of the water of life freely. Jesus himself said to lost people that he was moved on by with compassion upon them, not with condemnation. And by the way, he's the only one suited because he's the only one that's holy, holy, holy to be moved with condemnation. And he wasn't moved with condemnation on them. No, he said they were sheep without a shepherd. End of uh, Matthew 9 is moved with not not condemnation, but compassion upon them. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor in a heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. Hallelujah. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Revelation 22, 17. The spirit and the bride, true bride of Christ, say, come. Come take of the water of life freely that Jesus provided for you. All right. So we're not to let any corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, but only those things that edify others and minister grace to them. Yeah, I'm, I'm always amazed by these religious devils and how unedifying they are. They have nothing good to say. They have an evil eye, which Jesus himself said is a sin that will damn your soul. It's coming out of an evil heart. They're all self-righteous because they do what they call ministry. They get on the street or whatever. Uh, Well, okay, that doesn't make you any more saved than anybody else. Anyway, they have no ministry of grace to anyone. The lost are the saved. These people are nothing but Pharisees. They need to get saved. They need to repent and let God break them. And then he can really use them, but never before, not in any real way. They're preaching a false gospel. They're misrepresenting God. They're taking his name in vain. In other words, they're misrepresenting him. Jesus himself is God. He's the only way of salvation. And he said to sinners, come, come, take of the water of life freely. Come, you that are heavy laden because you're living in sin, and I'll give you rest. I'll cleanse your heart. I'll wash away your sins. You'll have a life with me. I am the life. Jesus came to make captives free. He told us that as he repeated the prophetic utterance of Isaiah and Isaiah. 61.1. Jesus said when he came to the earth, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Holy Ghost, because he hath anointed me to preach what? To preach the gospel, the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus is the God of restoration and reconciliation, and he's given us the ministry of condemnation? No. Reconciliation. Reconcili- reconciling men, restoring men, helping them to receive Christ, to repent and turn to God. Because he hath anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor, those that realize that they need God, they're willing to listen and be broken and contrite in spirit. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You know, some of these people out doing what they call ministry, they still have hearts that aren't 
healed. Why? Because they won't submit themselves to God. They're too busy working like Martha instead of sitting like Mary and letting God minister to their own hearts as they examine their own lives. Too busy out condemning others and preaching before they're really ready. Preach deliverance. Jesus came to preach deliverance to the captive. Deliverance. That's why Jesus came to deliver captives. Unlock the doors with the love and the truth and the mercy of God. And recovering of sight to the blind. Spiritually most of all. If you're born again when you come and receive Christ in repentance, God says you'll see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But when you're born again, the veil is taken away and you begin to see things as they are from God's perspective, which is reality. He's the creator, the maker, and the judge of all of us. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus came to set at liberty, to give liberty to those that are bruised. I'm telling you, we have a great salvation in the most unspeakably beautiful Savior that cannot, no words do him justice. He's infinite. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's why Jesus came. Luke 4.18. And that's why we're here in to we, you and I, to be the salt of the earth. You got to go among people to get them saved. M- then must you needs go out of the earth and go get them saved. Go minister to them. Don't go among them and be like them. Go among them and love them and, and show them Christ and minister grace and salvation to them. The body of Christ and the lost. Like I begin to point out, it's amazing to me, and I think many of you know what I'm talking about, and you've seen the same thing. Those that have this evil eye, and they're constantly looking for ways they can figure out why you're sinning and make up new sins to add to the 17 on the list of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5. They're modern-day Pharisees, because that's what the Pharisees did. They uh, read Matthew 23. They added to the law of God, and that's what these guys are doing. They're hell-bound. Jesus went so far as to say that the publicans and the sinners are going to go into heaven before the self-righteous religionists, people with a religion. Spirit. The, the publicans and the harlots, the vilest of sinners, have more of a chance of going to heaven than these people do. That's what God thinks of these people. You want to argue? Argue with the Son of God. I'm not going to do it. Matthew 21, 31. These people, you'll notice if you look back on your conversation with them, they never have anything to say good. Everything you do is under their scrutiny because they they think they're God. They're, they're idol is self. They're not looking to the true God because if they were, they'd have love. And love does what? Overlooks and covers them all to the sins. There's a time to bring correct. I'm not saying there's not. Open rebuke is better than secret. But, you know, we can leave that to God. He will lead us. First of all, most of us aren't even prepared. God's not going to use us to correct anybody. Why? Because we're not operating in the spirit of meekness. We're not getting the log out of our own eye. Galatians 6, 1 and 2, and Matthew 7, 1 through 6. We're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites ourselves, according to Jesus. He's not going to use you or me to go help somebody be restored and, and brought into a closer relationship with the Lord and overcome sin if we're not ourselves broken before God and go... You that are mature, go and restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Galatians 6, 1. Realizing you yourself are also capable of the same sin. That's a broken-hearted posture. Anything else is full of pride and wickedness. It is not qualified, and God will not use you to go help anybody else. So just shut off all that wicked thinking and get before God yourself and leave everybody else alone. God will never miss his cue to quicken you and quicken in you if you need to go correct somebody. We need to stop taking that upon ourselves in our state of immaturity and wicked-heartedness and let God clean us up. Examine our own selves. Cry out to God like David to create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us. And then Jesus said, when that log is out of your eye, then you'll be able to be used of God to go get the splinter out of somebody else's. Two very important passages there, friend. I want you to write all these things down. All of these passages. That's uh, Matthew 7, 1 through 6. And Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Okay, now we're on verse 30 in our main passage here, which is Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. We're talking about the eight things that the 
Bible tells us grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? Now, one of the things that grieves, and we found out in verse 29, is when we don't speak edifyingly, building up, and minister grace to, to the hearers. I'm not talking about flowery stuff that's flattery. I'm talking about substantial biblical truth in love. Verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Now, the Bible would not use such language if such weren't possible. But how is it that a person, that we, can grieve the Holy Spirit of God? He's talking to the body of Christ, by the way, here. Okay, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, verse 30, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. You yourself let all bitterness, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Get rid of all your malice, your maliciousness against other people. Jesus foretold that in this last hour, which we now live, that the love of many would wax cold. That means it was one time warm and hot. Many are falling away, folks, and the earmarked fruit that you're truly a Christian is that you have love one to another. You have exceptional love from heaven through fellowship with Christ every day, and you're giving that love to his body. You're not displaying bitterness. You don't have it in your heart. You don't have wrath toward others. The Bible says the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I want you to memorize that verse with the reference. It's James 1.20. Put it on an index card with the reference. King James, write it out. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. That means stop trying to play the Holy Spirit. God's got all kinds of stuff he wants to do in you and in me. And that's a full-time job, staying before God ourselves. God didn't assign us to go around trying to correct everybody for everything we perceive that they're doing wrong. You walk in the Spirit, and God will use you, but it'll be in the right spirit of meekness. God didn't say everybody is to go correct everybody. Only those that are mature, spiritually mature. Ye which are spiritual, restore. You see, they go hand in hand. Those that are spiritual, help restore people. They don't attack and try to destroy people. That's a wolf. That's a wicked wolf that does that. Not a true child of God. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you and all malice get rid of it and be kind one to another be kind be what be what kind one to another tender hearted not hard hearted but rather tender hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you now God forgave us on whose merit for whose sake for Christ's sake not our own sake there's no good thing that dwells in you and I none Romans 7:18 none zero except Christ You're not saved on your own merit. You didn't gain righteousness because you're so wonderful and you went out and did this or that good work. Or you didn't sin last week or whatever. That doesn't give you righteousness. Righteousness is imputed and it's on the basis of the merit of Jesus Christ and his holy blood shed on that cross where he says it is finished. Not on your own good works or your do's and don'ts, touch not, taste not religion. That's nothing but a farce and it's leading you to hell if you don't repent, if that's what you're walking in. Having begun in the spirit are you now made perfect in the flesh galatians 3 3 no you're not and if you're walking in the flesh with a touch not taste not do's and don'ts religion you don't know the lord you're fallen from grace you may have known him in the past but you don't know him anymore you're lost galatians 5 4 so here are the six sins listed in this passage that would grieve the holy spirit of god if we walked in them and this is a good place to repent friend if we see these things in our lives god wants us to ask him to forgive us and to give us a new heart and to change our lives and read Psalm 51, the Psalm of David, where he prayed that the Lord would cleanse him, purge him you know, thoroughly and, and create him a clean heart, renew a right spirit within him. Amen. Psalm 51. Okay, number one, corrupt communication grieves the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 29. Also, verse 29 would be lack of edifying. Lack of edifying and edification and ministering grace to the hearers. That 
that grieves the Holy Spirit of God. And by the way, we serve God on His terms, not our own. We don't make up the rules He did. And if you don't serve Him according to His word, you're not serving Him. And you're going to hear the horrible words of termination on that final day. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Why? Because you're like Cain. You're serving God on your own terms. And if you are, you're going to hell. You will be in the lake of fire just as sure as you're hearing my voice. But no, Abel offered the sacrifice God wanted. He went by the prescription of the Lord. And that's what we need to do. And we're reading right here that there are six things that grieve the Holy Spirit of God that God wants us to repent of and cry out to him to change our hearts and give us a heart of flesh. Without love, you're nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, you are nothing. All your good works and even giving your body to be burnt. Uh, you know, some people are impressed with themselves because they go out and street minister. That's nothing. Even if you gave your body to be burned and you're not walking in the love of God, you are nothing. You're not saved. The greatest of these is charity. Okay, corrupt communications is the first thing. That's a sin before God and grieves the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, a lack of edification, edifying, that ministers grace to the hearers. If you're not edifying people with your word, in your life and ministering grace to the hearers, you're in sin. You're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. That's what this passage tells us. That is cor- whatever communication you're giving off is corrupt. All right, the third thing that grieves the Holy Spirit of God and is sin is bitterness. God wants us to get better, not bitter. And we will if we truly seek the Lord, panting after Him, hungering and thirsting after His righteousness, realizing our own utter depravity and poverty outside of God's present mercy and grace and love. Amen. All right, bitterness is a sin. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God. Bitterness of heart. Also, wrath. When you're trying to exercise wrath wrongly on other people, which is not your place. It's not my place. Doesn't matter how you try to twist the scriptures to justify that. All right. Wrath is grieving the Spirit of God. So is anger. Be angry and sin not, the Bible says. Right in the same passage. You can be angry and not sin. But if you're displaying unrighteousness in your anger, you're in sin. Clamor. If you're clamorous, go look up what that means. Go dig into this. Then you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Here's number five, evil speaking. If you're speaking evil of others, if you're bearing tales or carrying them about when you don't even know if they're true, and if they are, so what? Can't the person be forgiven for them? Lately, I have seen more slander and malice and coming out of people that say they know the Lord than I've ever seen. It is wickedness. You can't be saved and be slandering other people. What sin is it that they've committed that's any worse than any sin you ever committed after you got saved? And now, right now, you're the one in sin and they might have repented. You're in sin, though, because you're railing on another brother or sister and you're in trouble. You're not even saved unless you repent. You're to be turned over to Satan. You're not even to be fellowship with. Don't even have lunch with you. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay. Evil speaking and malice. Maliciousness. Malice. I've never seen more malice in my whole Christian walk over two and a half decades than I've seen lately. Because the love of many is waxing cold. They don't love the Lord. What is your attitude toward the brethren, folks? What is it? The Bible says that we're not to imagine evil in our hearts, in our hearts, in our hearts toward a brother or a sister. We're to believe to the best. 1 Corinthians 13. That's what love does. Love believes all things. That means it believes to the best until proven guilty. Let me ask you something. Have you condemned anybody lately? In your attitudes? In your in your typing? In your speaking? Have you? Have you condemned anybody? Have you joined a multitude to condemn somebody? That's what they did, the wicked did to condemn Jesus. And they even called themselves of God. They thought they did God service. So do many today think they do God service by character assassinating people. That is coming out of a depraved, apostate heart that is not saved. He that loveth not knoweth not God. 1 John 4, 8. It's time to repent and let the Lord wash us afresh by his blood and the water of his word and cleanse us and give us a new heart, taking away those stony hearts and giving us a heart of flesh. That's not going to come unless you cry out to God and you fall prostrate before him and cry out to him, begging him to have mercy on your filthy, wicked, corrupt, depraved, 
heart and stop judging other people and judge your own heart, which the Bible says to do in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. Maybe it's, it would be good for you to take communion and come before the Lord and repent and examine your own heart. He says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. If we would judge ourselves, not other people, we would not be judged. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31 and 32. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture rich and Christ centered. Also tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month and your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised by the way for those who are supporting and feel free to visit our donate page on the site and you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon, and you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so, and a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world, and may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among His people and through His beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh, and we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.